Hey y'all, this is Confidently Free. And Mr. Cornerstone. And you're listening to another episode of the Becoming, Becoming One, One Podcast. Podcast. So guys, if you have been tuning in and this is your second, third, or fifth time listening to us, we want to say what's up because you are considered to be a faithful listener and we appreciate you. We thank you and we want to just say you're amazing for being a part of these conversations and joining this community. So shout outs, big ups to you. And we want to say hello to the first time listeners. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, we want to thank you because you didn't have to do it. You didn't have to listen to this podcast at this very second, on this very day, at this very moment, but you did. And we appreciate you for doing that. If you didn't know, you can stream us on social media. We can be found at Becoming One Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. That's Becoming, then the number one, and then Podcast. Or if you want to send us an email, go old school. You can do that at becomingonepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you really want to talk to us, you know, share a story, share some feedback, tell us something you want us to show. Uh, well, I guess not show because we're not really visual yet. Something you want us to share on air, we can do that as well. We're moving there. Yeah, well, you can um, actually leave us a voice message on Anchor if that's where you're streaming or leave us a voice message in our DMs on Instagram. And as always, no matter where you're streaming, make sure that you like, you rate, you subscribe, you share, you leave us feedback, and you tell everybody that you know about us because... We want everybody to be a part of these conversations because they're pretty awesome, if we do say so ourselves. So, with that being said, Travis, how you doing? I'm doing good. We uh, we just had a pretty good conversation, I'll put it like that. So, starting, starting fresh in, you know, just multiple areas of life. Mm-hmm. And communication has come up a lot on this podcast. Uh, so, that's one of the areas that we mainly focus on when it comes to getting on the same page here mm-hmm. so we just had that conversation before we started recording um today i was working on like a flyer and i'll probably just put it out soon um i gotta nail down a day with Derek first but in january look for it because in january i'm going to have a conversation probably on instagram live or facebook live through the Miller Initiative page and we'll be talking about discipline as it relates to like your basically your mind, body and soul, but more specifically uh, discipline for children and how to raise a disciplined child versus disciplining the child mm, that's um, good. because one of one focuses on the result. Um, and then the other focuses on the child's actions. Hmm. So uh, I'm having that conversation with Derek, and then I probably talked to Tyranny about it. She was agreed to talk about it. I just have to, you know, put a, a time down for it. But I got Derek's flyer done, pretty much. Uh, besides the time in the uh, the font, so I'll finish that soon, and getting ready for Thanksgiving dinner. So that's moving and grooving. Uh, Oh, I had a funny conversation with TJ too. Today, he was talking about uh, nuts. So we were downstairs and Atara was walking all over me. And she jumped on my my nuts. And I was like, Atara, get off my nuts. And TJ was sitting next to me reading the book. He said, Dad, what are nuts? So it was funny. Um, 
So we had a conversation. I told him there were the, the hanging fruit <laughs> below his waistline that he was laughing and stuff. So that was funny. Um, yeah, but I'm good. Um, we'll get into a conversation today about faith because, well, rather, I want to talk to you today about faith and your relationship to God because uh, I believe people know that, you know, our faith and that we believe in Jesus and you know, we're Christians and all, but I don't think we've talked about it that much. I just kind of come up as like a back topic. So mm-hmm. I wanted to give at least, you know, some time to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, how you doing? Um, I'm okay. I, I don't know what happened. I just think today I got very overstimulated. It was just the sounds and the noise and the, the kids pulling on me and touching me and wanting to be in my happened. space. What? Aaliyah. It was too much. It was too much. And I didn't realize this happened until after the fact. So um, what I'll sometimes do, I'll do a couple of different things. Um, For cleaning the kitchen in the evening, I'll either, when I go downstairs to give Aaliyah her snack, I'll either buckle her in, give her her snack, and then sweep. Or um, while everybody's like coming upstairs right after dinner, I'll go down and sweep. But Aaliyah was just tripping. And so I was so overstimulated and I didn't even realize it. Um, oh, something else I might do. Um, sometimes when the kids go down for bed, then I'll go back downstairs and kind of clean clean everything up and get everything how I want it. But um, so Aaliyah was just, I mean, she was tripping. And I had to come somewhere where it was semi-quiet and nobody was touching me. So I came in the room to try and be away because it was it was too much. You got a Tara and TJ that was talking to me, asking me stuff. And then um, at some point, Aaliyah came out of the room and you had went downstairs and you asked me if I had swept the floor. And I don't even think it dawned on me that I was in here trying to compose myself because I had been overly stimulated when I could have been downstairs sweeping. It didn't even occur to me that I had used that time and wasn't sweeping. So, yeah, I didn't realize I had kind of went on pause just because it was too much at the moment. Um, so that was interesting for me, but yeah, all right. Aaliyah started off this morning. Like as soon as I came downstairs, she was on. Usually if she starts off with you in the morning, it's like she goes into hip hugger mode and she was screaming. So I remember this morning, there was a time where you were just like, okay, you took a pause then. So I feel like it's been all day with her mm-hmm. and she's not going down for naps in, in the morning that but, might have something to do with it a little bit too but I th- do think that uh, I think that eventually it'll be better I know I took a, a major pause right then I was thinking about how I was just thinking about Aaliyah's behavioral patterns so I hope that it'll be better I and I there's a lot of feelings behind this so I'm not gonna really open up the can of worms but I think she just she just needs to be weaned at this point because it's, it's too much it's it's too much it's too much for me right now like nursing her is easy it's fine but her attachment to me and you know some people will get it some people won't and that's fine either way but her attachment to me and it's just it's too much it's becoming too much for myself and I would rather not continuing this pattern so she's gonna have to get weaned because I, I i can't so are you waiting till the end of the I, i'm i'm not? just i'm gonna start pumping and using the pump because i can't like 
I don't know where it, I don't even know where the pump is right now. Whenever I find it, I'm plugging it up because I can't, I can't. So she's this milk in the freezer. She just do with that because I I can't I can't. If if I do nurse her, it's gonna be literally before she goes to bed. That's at night time. It's probably gonna be all the time she gets nursed because I I can't. Mm-hmm. It's too much. So that's that. I'm glad you're done torturing yourself. Well, just, I mean, it ain't even just that. It's, I'm thinking about my teeth and all these other things. Just, ugh. I'm thinking about being screaming in your ear. That's what I'm thinking about. Sometimes it doesn't really, I mean, it's not appropriate, obviously, but it doesn't get to me like it can, it can other times. But that's neither here nor there. But yeah. you were saying faith. Yeah, so faith. Um, when Whenever you go through changes in your life, your faith changes because you're... Obviously, for us, our faith is like the anchor for everything. Um, but when you go through life changes, transitions, you're starting a business or you add a child or you move out of state away from family or you change how you view things or, you know, I mean, uh, political seasons, changing churches, yada, 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 yada. Your faith kind of matures with that as well. Like one of the biggest things that I heard for a push for the churches to be open as far as accepting as many people as possible. Not that I agree that that they should be accepting in full house or nothing like that. Because, you know, if you're in church, you can still social distance. You know, that's whatever choice you're going to make. Uh, people are going to do what they're going to do. So, but uh, people were saying that they couldn't handle the alone time. Um, and they felt like they were losing touch with God because like they couldn't be in the church but mm-hmm. for me I feel like I've never been closer because I'm we, we still do the Sunday morning live streams mm-hmm. and then uh, I catch Pastor Brooks Stone Church's prayers in the mornings uh, when I can uh, more often than not though and then you know so and then just putting that faith to action in your regular everyday life I feel like mine is my faith is increasing because you really, we're really just walking out on faith mm-hmm. with a lot of stuff. Um, but it's not the same story for everybody. So I wanted to ask you, like, how has, how have, you, not even just this year, but since the beginning, like, how is your faith? And you don't got to go like deep dive mm-hmm. into it, but how has your faith grown or has it grown? Or basically, what is happening to your faith? Um, you know, a synopsis of the past till recent history and then kind of that that mix of what's going on right now. Um, I think the best way to just give a snapshot is I kind of went from law to love and relationship in my walk. So in the beginning, I started going to church, like consistently going when I turned right before I turned 18 and my family you know, we never, it will, if we did go to church together as a family, it was before my long, long-term memory kicked in. So I was either four or younger, but, um, so I started going and I, the type of church that I was going to, it was <laughs> one of those churches that was real big on holiness and all of these other things Jean and skirts. And- yeah, it was that kind of church. And so, um, I, didn't really have I mean I understood the the notion of a relationship but I think even with that it was still very rigid it was rigid in the sense of like 
I understand now that I can't work my way into, you know, good standing with the Lord. Like, it's just like, he loves me, period. And I think in the beginning, I was kind of trying to be like, all right, I can't do this and I can't do that. You know, a Christian's not this and a Christian doesn't do that and all these other things. And it was more so, I think, me trying to check boxes to make sure that I was doing what I was supposed to do and being how I was supposed to be and Which acting how important. I was supposed to be. And I'm not saying those things aren't important, but it was more so of a um, like ritualistic type of thing. Not yeah. necessarily, I'm doing this because I'm trying to honor God or I'm doing this because I have a, you know, my relationship with him is such that I want to respect him and show him that I care enough about us and how good, you know, we are and how close we are that I'm choosing to abstain or stay away from these types of things. It wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. It was just a, oh, we're, we're Christians. Christians don't do this. And y'all drinking? What? Like, it was, yeah. So, um, that was interesting. This is way in the beginning. So, it was like my freshman year of college and, you know, folks was wild and stuff. So, I got to college. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is, oh, my, I need to hang out with all the church kids. So, that's, that's literally what I did. <laughs> I found, you know all the church kids and I was you know going to gospel choir and that 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 was my my social circle was all the church kids and um I didn't understand how to hold on to relationships who um weren't necessarily choosing to actively move in the same direction that I was and so I know for me, I because I didn't understand that that was a thing. Like you could still be friends with people. I was like, well, if you're not, you know, walking with the Lord, then I can't hang with y'all. Like that was literally how I thought. Like this is how it's supposed to be. And so, um, kind of just going through, it was interesting. Uh, my freshman year. This is a very short real, story. Real quick, real quick. Uh, for this one, maybe we'll uh, come back to mine later. Okay. But I want to focus on yours today, so you don't, you know, I was, I know earlier I was talking about don't rush through, or rush through some of it. Mm-hmm. But let's just focus on yours today. That's fine. Um, so I remember my freshman year. If it, it, I, I struggled so much with math, like it was just like I remember I called I remember my mom. You told me you were pulling your hair out. Or it was, it was getting thin or something like that. Uh, I don't remember that. I remember. That. I don't remember ever saying I pulled it out. I remember. Um, but I remember I called my mom. I mean, crying like bursting in tears. She, I, when I called her, she thought I was calling to tell her I had gotten pregnant, which I thought was so like, like really, like I'm calling you upset. And that's the first thing you think of. But I was calling her because upset because I was failing my class. Like, I mean, all types of feeling stupid and incompetent and all these other things. And so, um. I failed the first time around and then I'm trying to think, I don't know if I took it the following semester or not, but I did go home that summer and I retook it at a community college as credit, no credit. And, you know, community college is a little different. Like they got like multiple choice scantrons, you know, you ain't got to show your work type stuff. So I managed to pass that class. But when I just say this before you move on from the math thing, I'll let you get back to Mm -hmm. your face story. Uh, failing math is kind of like a prerequisite in engineering. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you have to, but I'm not saying it's not common. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for the people that do feel bad about not, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what level you took here, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't it, nothing hard. It was like, okay, everyone could do this. <laughs> it was well, well, you know, like algebra, some junk. It was um, bad. Either way, not everybody's good at math. I just know the higher ups, like with the the stuff we have to do in engineering, 
Uh, it was it wasn't uncommon to fail and start over and do it again mm-hmm. and again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I wasn't accustomed to that. And I'm not gonna like open up this other can of worms. But like even back then, I was struggling with the imposter syndrome of oh I'm I'm just naturally gifted in school, so I'm supposed to be good at everything. How dare I not understand this? Like this is unacceptable. But um, it was so bad to the point where I was telling my friend that I was failing. And she was like, listen. Make sure you take this person. She is the easiest person on campus. There's no way you could fail. I said, that's exactly who I have right now. And she was like, what? How the heck are you failing math? Are you taking her? <laughs> it was bad. So um, because of that. It, she it, got a tutor. I tried, but I, I couldn't. I think I had convinced myself enough that I didn't understand it. That there was really nothing anybody else could do. Mm-hmm. And so, um the scholarship that I had, I had to maintain a 3.0 and I think it was like a 2.8 because of that. And so, um, they took my scholarship. And so this is the example of the level of faith that I had early on. So my mom was like, well, you need to take out a loan. You need to do this. You need to do that. I was like, well, I'm just going to trust God. It's going to work it out. Um, I'm going to retake this class over the summer and you know, somehow I'm gonna get my scholarship back. Come, you know, my sophomore year come the fall. She's like, well, you need to have a backup plan. You need a plan B. Now me, I'm like, what you mean a plan B? Like the Lord doesn't need a plan B, but here I am listening to my, you know, parents and whatnot. Took out the loan. They gave me my scholarship back. Didn't even need it. Further in student loan debt than I needed to be, but we're not even going to go there. You didn't so, just give the money back for the loan? It was like, like I didn't, it didn't register to me that I needed to give it back right then and there. So I was like, hey, I'm going to need my account, whatever. I might need this. So I did eventually give a big chunk of it back. But I think I ended up spending some other money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anywho. So um, in the beginning, like that's, I, that's all I knew was, well, God works it out. So that's just what it is. I don't need to try and help him just in case he doesn't come through. And I can at least attest for that. That has kind of been my mantra throughout my walk. Just even when I look back on that one incident and it, to me, that wasn't something massively huge that to me, that was easy to him. That was light work for him. And so moving throughout my walk, being able to look back and say, he clearly did this with ease. So I don't really see how anything else could be complicated for him. So you know, went out went out through the rest of my my college life, and when I moved into my sophomore year and going into my junior year, that's when I really started to understand what a relationship with him could truly be. It didn't have to be this far off, distant person, you know, that I just pray to, and that's kind of it. Like this is somebody who wants to have like real conversations with me. This is somebody who's literally with me on a regular basis. This is somebody who no matter what else is going on around me, this is my constant and consistent. Right. This is my, I'm going to be here no matter what. There's literally nothing you can do to make me abandon you, to make me, you know, um, disown you or anything like that. And so this notion of I cannot be disowned because this love is so great. That's what really um, made me understand more of who I like was solidified. Mm-hmm. and it, it gave me a sense of identity because it's like God it, 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 the love of God is, is so big and vast and great that it literally covers any and every 
mess up and fault that I could ever possibly have. And he still says, that's okay. I still want you. Mm-hmm. And so that was the kind of the later years of my, my college life, really getting into that and embracing that because I did a lot of stupid stuff in college. Um, and I was just like, you know, it would be times where I would feel like I can't, you know, I can't hear his voice. I can't hear him speak. But I started to realize and understand that I don't have to just find him where I last met him. He speaks in all of these other different ways. And in college, I was really heavy on spoken word. Um, That's when we had a a lot of dialogue and conversation because I would literally just pick up my pen or pencil and just start writing. Like like your language of expression. Yeah. um, He would just write through me and I would just write, write piece after piece after piece. Like people would literally be sitting there trying to come up with stuff and it literally took me no effort because he's literally just speaking. I'm just picking it up, writing, 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 writing. And um, that's just kind of how we communicated. Um, music, pretty pretty much art, so to speak. Spoken word, music, that was like our, our language. And so um, transitioning out of college, I knew what I wanted to do. I said, okay, I wanna get a job at this place and uh and within my fields i was working at a um what was it a residential treatment facility for at-risk youth and i was like well i want to work here for a year and then i want to get a job with the state now this is what's funny so um i worked there for a year or was it two years it has maybe it was two years i think i think i said two years and so anyway i had transitioned from a secure home that i was working in to an open home or open program and I had gotten hired at the beginning of January of that year. So it was probably January 2013, maybe. And um, so I'm working the open program. Everything's going great. So at like 30 days of me working in this open program, we um, do a staff meeting. And they're like, hey, we're actually going to be closing this home in 30 days. <laughs> um, but don't worry, guys. <laughs> yeah, they were like, don't worry. You guys are more than welcome to apply to other positions within the um, organization. Yeah, cool. Don't worry. You might be homeless. <laughs> I said, cool. No problem. <laughs> I didn't pick. In 30 days. I was like, I didn't pick up shifts to all these other homes. These people love me. No issue. Right. And so I'm applying. I'm like, all right, I'll just work here, work here, work here. And so I remember I had one interview with the home supervisor and the guy who was like the supervisor, supervisor. And I remember I was just talking. He said, man, I just really love listening to you speak. Like I had just sit and listen to you all day. You're just such a bright mind. And I'm like, yep, got this one in the bag. Cool. And um, (laughs) you didn't get that position. I don't know what happened. So, uh, you know, time's passing by, time's ticking, time's ticking. And uh, I remember someone asked me, they were like, well, Monet, ain't you mad? I was like, mad about what? They were like, you literally just got here and they bought the clothes at home. I said, no, nah, I ain't tripping. That just means God going to have to figure something out. That don't make sense to me, though. Like, why are they still hiring and they getting ready to close? Nonprofits do you know strange I mean? things. I ain't trying to, you know, deviate from your story. But you, you're hiring, but you're about to close down. Mm-hmm. And, and you know it's a possibility that you're going to close down. So you're going to hire somebody. Then they could you know, decline other offers that they potentially had mm-hmm. and just to accept yours, but then you close. That's, that's messed up to me. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what they do. Go ahead. Go ahead. And so, um, yeah, that was, that was real. And they were like, ain't you mad? I said, no, this just mean God gonna have to figure something out. Cause the room, clearly I have a need. Uh, this is what he does. Like that was my attitude. I never once went into a panic about it. And, um, so I had applied for like, as soon as I left the meeting that day, I went and started applying places. I applied for the state of Michigan. Um, I think after two weeks of applying, they had me do an interview. And then two weeks later, um, 
I got a letter of hire. And then two weeks after that, I started. So, and to put that into perspective for how the state of Michigan employment works, you can put in an application and they'll hold it for up to like, what, six, nine months or something. It's not a common occurrence that you literally get somebody to call you in for an interview and then offer you a job all within, you know, a month. That doesn't just happen. And so I, I, I think I finished working there on a Thursday or a Friday and started at the state of Michigan that following Monday. Mm -hmm. So there was never even a lapse of employment or pay or anything like that. And, um, so stuff was just so funny. I mean, positions I had worked before in this organization doing very specific jobs applied to didn't get it. I was like, this is just crazy. And then, you know, he put me in the state of Michigan position. I was like, cool. All right. Big ups to you guys. Clearly you got it under control. So, um, even just with that, like, I'm, I don't think I've ever really been in a place where I've panicked in terms of feeling like I'm not going to be provided for. And so even moving past that, um, I'm fast forwarding a lot cause I worked for the state for like six years, but I'm fast forwarding, um, even moving past that. And then us moving from Michigan to Charlotte and all of how that transpired and even you know moving from the apartment to the house just finding how he can maneuver and navigate things to meet a need it's to me it's always been poetic and i don't know if that's just the poet in me but it's always been poetic watching how god i think that's how like your mind just works yeah it's, it's so poetic watching how he um will create and and just pull things from places you wouldn't even think to look in order to you know have provision and in order to provide and so for for our relationship I don't think that's ever really been something where I've um, struggled with trust there are other things that I think I've struggled for um, but as far as like him coming through and meeting a need like that nah that's that's always been solid Um, I've had issues more or less with and I think this is this is on a subconscious level, but truly believing what he's saying. And it, it's not as black and white as it may sound, because that sounds pretty black and white. But it, it always pertains to... You've had struggles truly believing what he's saying. About me. Okay. Um. So, like, you know, people be like, oh, God, it's so good. I believe that. But a is lot of times... That's what I'm saying. A lot of times... It's believing that he's as good to, for, about me as I know he is to, for, and about things. And I think that's where a lot of people, especially myself, have struggled is a lot of times when, where doubt comes in, it's just the matter of you truly somewhere inside of you don't believe that God is really good. Like, well, you know, um, I got fired, I got laid off, all these different things. So for me, it's like, well, I have these flaws you made me like this. I'm sensitive. You made me like this. This is an issue. Like it's how is sensitivity a good thing? How is it a positive thing? How is me being, you know, such a, a softy and caring so deeply about people? How could this possibly be a good thing? Why would you do this? Well, God's not going to go out of his way to curse me. He loves me. And so the way that he's created me and fashioned me and, and literally went out of his way to be as detailed as possible about me he intricately did that on purpose with intention. And so 
I can't in one breath say he's good over here, but not feel like he's good as it pertains to what he intentionally did for and about me. And so as I've, you know, walked through this journey of self-love, as it come, as it culminates to this notion of faith. And that's kind of intertwined for you, the self-love journey and your faith journey. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I've, I've struggled with seeing me the way that he does, um, which ultimately kind of has caused me to project onto other people. And I know I project on you a lot, um, but it's caused me to project on other people. Like, um, we talk about often about how I might not feel prepared to do something. So I don't want to do something if I don't feel prepared to do it because I don't want to look or feel stupid. Well, God thinks that I'm smart. You know, he, he created me to be really witty and creative and all these different things. And so somewhere inside of me is that insecurity of being intelligent or smart. And so that gets projected when I'm not able to look at me as he sees me. I, th- I don't think that that's just you, though. Like, I think that people mm-hmm. in general, like just as a blanket statement, tend to do that. You know, but it's that's more so like just speaking through like traumas and yeah. things like that. And yeah. when I say traumas, I don't mean like, you know, you were beaten with a metal rod type of trauma. I just mean like because any unpleasant I, experience that left the impact or mark on you. And it could just be like a, a major change can tra- cause trauma because if it if something happens and it really stresses you out, then it creates like that pathway in your brain mm-hmm. where it's like, no, I don't like this feeling. You know, it, you're going to take this is what it's going to feel like. And it, rec- it will, you'll start to recognize things ahead of time and you start to predict what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that becomes you, what the response that you have as if it was the same thing that originally place that trauma in your life so i don't really think it's you it's specifically you oh yeah for projecting. Sure. i think that we all do it in some ways until we heal in mm-hmm. that area mm-hmm. and another thing that i was thinking the other day so for me I, you know I, I can talk about all these big things that god does i mean he just he be coming through and i know he gonna come through in the future for whatever it is that might you know happen or come and I have to continuously until this becomes solidified within my spirit. Remember that I don't have as much poor influence on the on the world, universe and people as I might subconsciously think that I do. And I say that to say one mistake or incident or whatever is not, is not going to shift everything in the atmosphere to the point oh, where damage is completely done and it, you know it's completely ruined like I Yes, I can have a negative interaction with a person. I can probably say some very wrong things. I I might not handle them well, but my incidents are not going to overrule God's influence and goodness on somebody's life. Yeah, like you have the ability to make a mistake. Yes. And subconsciously, I, I have weighed my mistakes so heavy as if when you put it on a scale... You know, mine just completely tips the scale. And it's like, well, what about God's influence? What about his impact? What about his love? What about his goodness? What about, you know, the way that he heals? Like, and I, I, you know, this is a long stretch, but it made me think of this. I try to avoid having um, negative interactions to where I think I'm going to damage one of the kids in some way, like make them have to have therapy at some point. And it made me think of the movie The Shack 
where there was a scene. I think that I think the guy was talking to the Holy Spirit. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh, you would love it. We're gonna have to watch it. <laughs> was he talking to the Holy Spirit? He must have been. Well, might have been talking to God. I don't it's know. An anyway, old movie. It's an older movie, but it's not like 1998 old. Um, yeah, we're gonna have to watch that this week. But uh in the movie, the lady asked him, he said she, she said to him you want the promise of a pain-free life and the guy was crying he said yes yes that's what i want and she said well there isn't one and so i had to sit with the notion that my children and even well, myself 2017 i just looked it up no it's got to be older than that what oh man okay three years ago yeah you would like that movie but he basically there isn't a promise of a pain-free life and so even in the midst of me healing from my own trauma, you know, as an adult, I cannot, I, I, there's no way within my power that I can keep them from pain. Even if it's not pain for me, there's no way that I could protect them from pain because pain is a part of life. Just the same way that joy and happiness and good things are a part of life. I'm going to add to that. You know what I mean? Since this, this episode is about you, but I got to, I want to put my little, my little bit of paint mm-hmm. on, on it. So when we talk about the pain-free uh, life or whatever, mm-hmm. even if we break that down or zoom in on it rather to mm-hmm. just relationships, I, I see a lot of, you know, if he really loves you, he wouldn't hurt you. Or if mm-hmm. she really loves you, she wouldn't hurt you. That's a whole lot. Because the, the, the person or the people that hurt you are the ones that you truly care about. Mm-hmm. So the ones that have the the most ability to hurt you are the ones that you let in the furthest. Yeah. And it, it becomes to the point where like if they were to say, if somebody outside of your circle were to say something like disrespectful to you or get fly off the handle for some reason, get mad and say something that they normally wouldn't say. If they were outside your circle, you might just like brush it off like, man, what's, what's the problem? Mm hmm. But if it, like let's say you say something to me, it's like you, like you're you're in my inner circle, like you're mm-hmm. the closest to. Like how could you mm-hmm. say something like that to me? You know what I mean? That's that's what you call like pain. Yeah. So people, um, when it when it comes to having this hurt free life, like it's you're not gonna have a hurt free life. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna or pain free life rather, and you're not gonna have pain free relationships, regardless if it's romantic. Or a plutonic, like even within your friendships, there's going to be pain because you're learning each other at each different stage of life and it just happens. Yeah. Conversation's going to be painful. And the thing is, right, then I'm going to be done after this. (laughs) But the thing is. Oh, and we're not talking about physical pain. Like somebody like slapping somebody around, that's that's different. Yeah, no, I'm talking about like mental and like emotional type. But not abuse. Yeah. We're just talking about like, oh, someone's gonna hurt my feelings. Like, oh, I can't believe you said that. That totally hurt my feelings. That's right. what we're talking about. Right. So, like, when when it comes to relationships, I kind of lost my train of thought right there. But when it comes to relationships or whatever, uh, the growth in that happens when, for me, from my perspective, the growth in that happens when you can go through those painful conversations. And come out on the other end, not thinking less of the other person mm-hmm. or not pushing that other person out of that position because it caused pain. And that's why 
that's why the relationship with God is just so, oh my gosh. So, um, it's just like, you can come to him with all the ugly and the messed up and the just, I mean, ratchet, know you wrong. And there's never a moment of being ushered out of his, out of the room or out of his presence. Like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna need you to go. That, that doesn't happen. Like, you know, you wrong. He know you wrong, but still he'd be like, come on, bring it in. Talk to me. Tell me all about it. And I was reading a meme somewhere and I hope I don't mess this up too bad, but there was two trains of thought. There was one thought where it was like, oh, I messed up. Um, I don't want to tell my dad. And then the other one was like, oh, I messed up. I need to call my dad. And that notion of being able to go to him has kind of been consistent throughout our relationship. And so even like bringing it to present date, um, there's things that are different, but things that are the same. So like when we, when we have conversations to me, it's, it's very sporadic, like in the same way that I'll randomly text somebody or I'll randomly call my mom or something like it's not necessarily a, okay, this time of day, every day, like it's not ritualistic. It's more so to me, it's more so of a, like how TJ randomly come up to us and say something. That's mm-hmm. how I'd be randomly talking to God. I'd be like, you know what? And then I'll just start talking. And I think our conversations have become a little bit more candid because before it was very Lord. And now it's just like, okay, God, ch- peep this. All right. This is, this is where I'm at right now. It's, it's very raw. It's very real. And, um, even now I still get those notions. Even when I be driving, like the other day, I thought to go to one store first and then go to the other one, but I decided not to. That's how I got kicked out of Sam's Club. Should've went to Sam's Club second. I would've had time, but I went early. I should've just went to Aldi. That's what the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me. Go to Aldi first. But I went to Sam's Club. Sam's Club was like, fam, you ain't supposed to be Get here till 10 o'clock. You ain't got the premium VIP membership. So even just little things like that, like being able to just feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit and know, oh, okay. All right, God, I got you, cool. Or even like texting people, like somebody will come to my mind out of nowhere. And I'll text them and something will be going on. And I'll be like, see, okay, God, I hear you. Or even dreams. Like I've had dreams about other people's kids. I've had dreams that other people were pregnant before they told anybody. Like it's been wild, but yeah. So, you know, God be telling me other people's business. I'll be like, Lord, why are you, why are you telling me all these, all these folks business? But I'm like, okay, probably just supposed to pray for them or reach out or do whatever it is you prompt me to do. So I have definitely learned when you're prompted you need to move because you're going to miss something or you're going to miss something pretty much. So, yeah, it's it's definitely developed. It's definitely evolved. But I would say that it, our relationship has definitely given me a better glimpse and understanding of how he loves me because I'm a parent now. And so looking at TJ and Atari and Aaliyah, it's just like, I would do anything for you. And there is nothing you can do that's going to make me be like, I love this kid more. And there's nothing you can do that's gonna be like, I never want you in my space face ever again. Cause it's like, I grew you, I bore you. I said space face? My space or face? I think that's what you just said, your space face. Space or face. But it's like, I grew you, I bore you. Like I, you came from me, you know? Right. So just, I mean, being, you literally did. being a parent, it, it's just giving me such a deeper understanding and appreciation yeah, and comprehension of how, yeah, oh goodness, of, of how deep God's love truly is. So, 
Yeah. That's my thing right there. So okay. So y'all, you know how we do. We're going to come back, uh, you know, next episode and let Travis tell his th- his side of the story, tell his thing, you know, you know. Next one or whenever. The next one. We'll see. Because he always gets out of, every time we do something, I'm always the one that's like, <laughs> oh, let me be all open and tell you what's going on. And then I start crying and then we never get back to Travis and stuff. So that'll be next episode. I'm going to make sure we get to it because we're probably going to record tomorrow. So y'all. This is Confidently Free. And Mr. Cornerstone. And you just listened to another episode of the Becoming One Podcast. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace. what's up this is confidently free i just want to tell you guys thank you so much for listening to this episode and really being a part of this community Uh, i just want to let you guys also know because this upcoming friday is black friday here at the miller initiative llc we want to actually give you guys a black friday deal on our e-workbook the three steps to transforming your relationship so if you go to our website at www.themillerinitiative.com shop and you go to purchase our ebook Make sure you use this Black Friday code BLACK50. You get a 50% discount because you decided to be a part of the Becoming One podcast listening community. Again, we thank you guys so much. And if you haven't bought the e-workbook, make sure that this Friday you use your Black Friday code BLACK50 to get your 50% off discount. Thank you guys so much. We love you. We appreciate you. See you next week.